Welcome to Near East PolicyCast, episode 32 for October 26, 2017. I'm Scott Rogers, online editor at the Washington Institute. Functioning as a sort of state inside the Lebanese state, Hezbollah has accumulated more rockets than many European militaries, but it's also an irregular army that uses terrorism as a strategic weapon against its adversaries at home and abroad. Today, the conflicts in Syria and Iraq have reconfigured Hezbollah and other forces across the region in ways that could lead to a new war, one far more destructive than previous Middle Eastern conflicts. It is simply no longer the case that there is a Western-friendly Lebanese state with a foreign element in the form of Hezbollah. The organization has been entirely successful in establishing its domination over Lebanon. Hezbollah is Iran's Arab proxy and the crown jewel in Iran's strategy of warfare by terrorist proxy. And today is a vastly more potent organization than at the time of the last Lebanon war. The West has a unique opportunity to actually stop a war from happening before it starts. Those were the voices of German General Klaus Naumann, British General Lord Richard Dannett, and British Colonel Richard Kemp. All three participated in a high-level military group project that led to the publication of a recent report on how to prevent a devastating new war between Hezbollah and Israel. They spoke at an October 25 policy forum at the Washington Institute in Washington, D.C., and today we'll hear their remarks, which amount to a detailed briefing on the likelihood of a third Lebanon war, the destructive course any such war would take, and what Western nations can do now to prevent the bloodshed. After this... This is Rob Satloff, Executive Director of the Washington Institute for Near East Policy. The Institute is dedicated to advancing a balanced and realistic understanding of American interests in the Middle East and promoting those policies that secure them. Find all our research and analysis at WashingtonInstitute.org or follow us on Twitter at Wash Institute. This is Colonel Richard Kemp, former commander of British forces in Afghanistan. He also led the international terrorism team at Britain's Joint Intelligence Committee. It's always a great pleasure to be here in the colonies, and, um, <laughs> and in particular at the Washington Institute. I always avoid mentioning when I'm in Washington that my regiment was instrumental in burning down the White House in 1814, Um, because it's obviously a sensitive issue for Americans. We don't like to remind you. And um, General Dannett tells me that his regiment was not here in the War of 1812, so you don't need to aim your ire at him. Um, The the report we've written has been written on behalf of the high-level military group. We're representing that group today. The high-level military group was assembled by the Friends of Israel Initiative, and the Friends of Israel Initiative is chaired by Jose Maria Aznar, former president of Spain. It is made up of um, a number of former heads of state, such as Stephen Harper from Canada and John Howard from Australia, foreign and defense ministers from Europe, from the United States, from Latin America, from Australia, India, and elsewhere, if there is anywhere else. I'm not sure there is. But um, certainly covering the major parts of the world. Um, and, And what we've embarked upon is a program to try and enlighten people um, through the high-level military group um, uh, to, uh, to, to enlighten them on the realities of warfare in an era where uh, the West's ability to carry out effective military operations against insurgents is constantly under attack. And the high-level military group, made up of retired 
um, senior generals predominantly from around the world uh, has carried out a number of studies um, into different aspects of warfare. For example, the Gaza conflict, the last Gaza conflict, uh, a comparative study also of conflicts and campaigns around the world, and the latest being this report on um, the threat from Hezbollah, which we're presenting to you today. Um, I think what, we, what we're proposing in this report is, as a result of our findings, is that the West has a unique opportunity to actually stop a war from happening before it starts. And as Matthew suggested, the, the probability of, of uh, war initiated by Hezbollah in Lebanon is high. We should not forget the history of Lebanon and what it's all about. And of course, in 1983, one of, Le one of Hezbollah's first major offensive aggressive operations directed by Iran was to kill 241 American servicemen in Beirut and on the same day 58 French servicemen in Beirut. During the Iraq conflict and Afghanistan, Hezbollah killed over 1,000, sorry, Hezbollah, the IRGC and other Iranian elements killed over 1,000 American servicemen and many uh, British and other allied forces fighting in Afghanistan and in Iraq. The majority of those casualties were in Iraq. So we should be under no illusion about what this organization is and what it does. It's one of the main proxy instruments of Iran directed against Iran's enemies, which of course include Israel and the United States of America and the U.S. as allies. So this is a chance, perhaps, to, um, to do something about that war before the war begins. And I can, as the, the generals will explain, when the war begins, there's little doubt that Israel will have to act with immense aggression, immense force, immense decisiveness, and immense speed, which will result, even though they will do so within the laws of armed conflict, in very, very large numbers of civilian casualties in southern Lebanon in particular. Uh, and, of course, that is the objective of Hezbollah, is to incur their own civilian casualties from their own side. It's to provoke Israel to kill civilians in the same way as Hamas has done in Gaza very effectively in order to isolate Israel and to demonize Israel and to cause the vilification of Israel. And they know that the West, in many cases, including the United States, including the United Kingdom and other European countries, they know that the automatic reaction to defensive measures by Israel against its enemies is to attack Israel. Not, not militarily attack them, but attack Israel and put Israel in front of the United Nations accused of war crimes and crimes against humanity. And that is what, what causes Hezbollah, Hamas, and these other organizations to carry out aggressive action against Israel. And we play into their hands with our reaction. And that's what we're recommending is that the West makes it absolutely clear at this stage that if aggression occurs from Hezbollah in Lebanon against uh, Israel, then that will be condemned by the West and Israel be, will be supported by the West. Uh, and what that requires is a great deal of strong leadership from Western leaders in the face of some pretty horrific television imagery which is going to result from this. That was Colonel Richard Kemp. Next, we'll hear from General Lord Richard Dannett, former Chief of the General Staff of the British Army and a member of the House of Lords. It's a great pleasure to, to be here and to address this group this afternoon. I, I don't want to... Um, try and outdo Colonel Kemp in terms of British military history. But as I sometimes say to American audiences, my regiment was 100 years old before your country was invented. Um, but in the War of Independence, um, American revolutionaries overran my regimental baggage train and, amongst other things, stole the regimental silver. 
So whenever I go to dinner with wealthy people in the United States, I look around to see what's on the table to see whether any of my silver could be um, recovered. But so far, my search has been in vain. But um, on to more serious subjects. Um, I'm very grateful for this opportunity to join with the team to focus on the growing threat to the security of Israel from Hezbollah and to dwell on the consequences of Israel's necessary counteroffensive should another Lebanon war develop. What I'd like to do uh, in the few minutes that I've got to speak is to look at Hezbollah today, its strategic concept and capabilities, the new developments within that, and then the danger arising from those developments. So first of all, some facts about Hezbollah's capacity for warfare today. By any analysis, uh, I think we all know Hezbollah is Iran's Arab proxy and the crown jewel in Iran's strategy of warfare by terrorist proxy. And today is a vastly more potent organization than at the time of the last Lebanon war. Now, while Hezbollah is described as a terrorist organization on account of its ethos and tactics, for the purpose of combat capabilities on the ground, Hezbollah is neither a terrorist or a guerrilla organization, <clears throat> but essentially now more of a standard military force with a clear chain of command and the infrastructure to protect and maintain its high command. Um, Hezbollah oversees a force of around 25,000 fighters, with around 5,000 of them having completed advanced training in Iran. In addition, at least 20,000 people are organized in reserve units, and these numbers are vastly larger than they were in 2006. Hezbollah's main firepower is based on a huge arsenal of over 100,000 rockets and missiles. Yes, the majority of these are short-range rockets, but thousands of them now have a much larger range, up to 250 kilometers and possibly more. Thus, not only has the sheer numeric scale of the threat increased exponentially, but the lethality is greatly increased on account of larger payloads, range, and higher targeting accuracy. Hezbollah's ground forces are equipped, as you'd expect, with AK-47 assault rifles, night vision goggles, and advanced anti-tank weapons. Its combatants are highly skilled in deploying explosives and anti-tank guided missiles, which they have in the past used to great effect, including against infantry. And the combat experience acquired in, Iraq, in, in Syria and the vast increase in numbers also today give Hezbollah an ability to maneuver and carry out relatively large-scale ground attacks at the scale of company <coughs> or battalion level, including the integration of a new armored support unit consisting of modern tanks and APCs and probably experimenting now with the integration of close-air support. Further, Hezbollah also now possesses hundreds of UAVs, with surveillance and, in some cases, munitions deliverable capabilities, as well as advanced air defense systems and significant capabilities for naval warfare based on coast-to-sea cruise missiles. Its intelligence capabilities have also been developed significantly. So all in all, this means that the military threat that Hezbollah poses is potent and it's deadly. It's been honed by extensive battlefield experience in Syria and supported by the infrastructure for warfare of its state sponsor, Iran. So, so much for Hezbollah's capabilities, but what of its basic strategic concept? Now, this now consists of a tripartite interplay between terrorism, traditional military capabilities, and political activity. Governed, in an underlying sense, by its religious ideology in justifying its engagement in military action in the name of Allah, 
Its warfare is unrestricted by rules, laws, or morality, and as such it fights amongst the civilian people and under their cover. And with this perceived protection, it targets its adversaries' civilians with impunity, often as an explicitly calculated method of gaining strategic advantage. Hezbollah has transformed almost every Shiite village in the country's south into a military asset. This is an elaborate, multi-year effort requiring significant investment. Israeli officials estimate that approximately 10% of the population in each village are now Hezbollah combatants, while the majority of houses play host to various forms of military equipment. Below these villages and urban areas, Hezbollah has constructed an extensive array of tunnel systems for the purpose of conducting warfare. At the same time, Hezbollah deliberately targets Israeli civilians as an explicit tactical imperative. It's their intention to do that. It'll seek to inflict maximum damage on Israel's civilian population when deploying its vast arsenal of rockets and missiles in the hope of weakening Israel's resolve and will target specific civilian and critical national infrastructure to gain tactical advantage. A central development in Hezbollah's strategic concept today is to take the battle onto Israeli soil in case of a conflict. And the goal of such operations would be to occupy a vital area in Israel and hold it for as long as possible with the aim of demonstrating Hezbollah's anti-Israeli credentials to the wider Arab world and using kidnapped soldiers and civilians as leverage in diplomatic negotiations. Further, in the event of hostilities, it's highly feasible that Hezbollah will be joined by at least parts of other terrorist organizations within Iran's realm of influence, inviting foreign Shia forces to fight in Lebanon, as well as the area it now controls inside Syria, close to the border with Israel. So taken together, Hezbollah today thus presents a seriously capable force akin to an army, yet with no compunction about breaking all laws of war by fighting from among its own civilians and potentially making Israel's civilians its target too. It's developed significantly since the last war and poses a grave danger, not just to the people of Israel, but to the Lebanese civilian population, which would be in serious danger from its tactics in the event of a new war and the inevitable Israeli counteroffensive. That was General Lord Richard Dannett. Finally, we'll hear from General Klaus Naumann, former Chief of Staff of the German Bundeswehr. He served as Chairman of the NATO Military Committee from 1996 to 1999. It's my pleasure to be here in Washington once again. As you know, I'm not coming from a country which ever tried to burn down the White House. <laughs> but, uh, but we made a small contribution to win the War of Independence by things such as General von Steuben. Based on the military capabilities outlined by General Dunnett, and given Hezbollah's strategic concept of going after Israel's civilians while hiding among those of Lebanon, it is clear that the new Lebanon war would be significantly worse in consequence than the previous conflict. There's a real danger of such a war breaking out, and grave humanitarian and geostrategic interests are at stake for all of our countries if it were to happen. As such, we must consider several inherent problems in the situation that compound the problem and urgent actions our nation can take to tackle it. First, the concept 
we in the West, the United States, and even more so in Europe, apply to the Lebanese state is outdated. It is simply no longer the case that there is a Western-friendly Lebanese state with a foreign element in the form of Hezbollah. The organization has been entirely successful in establishing its domination over Lebanon. It installs a government that can run only with its explicit or tacit approval, since Hezbollah has demonstrated it can bring to bear the most force in the country. It controls the presidency, infiltrates and collaborates with the Lebanese armed forces, and fails to serve the interests of the people of Lebanon as it pursues Iran's agenda against Israel and in Syria. These new realities need to be better reflected in transatlantic attitudes to Lebanon. Given the evident rearmament of Hezbollah, and particularly its embedding of its military apparatus among Lebanon's civilians, fighters, weapons, command and control are all spread through South Lebanon villages, it is clear that neither the relevant United Nations resolution or in particular the UNIFIL mission are having the required effect. We saw evidence of UNIFIL being hampered in their work by Hezbollah, as it is in the report, and bitter complaints, indeed a diplomatic incident with your UN ambassador over UNIFIL's refusal to accept. One must assume for political reason what is an obvious fact on the count. Hezbollah is rearming in plain sight of UNIFIL and setting the scene for serious war crimes in case of a conflict. Such a conflict is likely not be only because of Iran's and Hezbollah's implacable program against Israel, but not least because of Hezbollah suffers a legitimacy as regards its claim to be a Lebanese organization defending Lebanon in the wake of its actions in Syria. Attacking Israel is thus an imperative for this reason also. Given what we have heard and also what our delegation heard in Israel, it is clear that the new realities in the region and the imperatives on Israel in such a conflict mean war would be a very serious outcome indeed. So we urge Western nations in the strongest possible terms to take immediate firm action to prevent such an outcome. The American administration has made a start in identifying correctly the Iranian root of this problem and in expanding its policy vis-a-vis -vis Iran to include its auxiliary activities and, of course, specifically Hezbollah. But we need to see consequent pressure on Hezbollah and on the Lebanese government, politically, financially, and in terms of military deterrence, not least by making clear that Israel will have every right to defend itself vigorously from an attack by the Iran-Hezbollah axis now present on its borders in Lebanon and in Syria. But Europe in particular must do more to recognize these realities and stand against them. The political cost of Hezbollah's integration into the fabric of the Lebanese state must be raised. Europe should at long last 
unequivocally proscribe the organization as a whole and stop giving pretense to the false distinction between its military and political character. They are indivisible. International diplomacy and the Unifilm mission in particular must also reflect the character of the threat Hezbollah now poses and recognize that it has been allowed to grow and to grow despite ostensible measures to curtail it. This cannot go on because of war, the contours of which are already discernible, would be a calamity for the people of Lebanon foremost, but also for Europe and the West, given the intense struggle with the fallout from an already fatally unstable region, in particular in terms of humanitarian crisis and refugee flows that Europe is struggling to accommodate. And that is, as you all know, causing political upheaval in some of our own countries. So we welcome the administration's renewed focus on Iran and Hezbollah and all actions designed to curtail their behavior and raise its cost. But we urge that in our view, the situation is so serious that we must see more and more robust action on behalf of Western nations against this threat and before it is too late. The people of Lebanon, the people of Israel and the region require us to address the threat Hezbollah poses with the full force of your and our considerable means to pressure them to curtail their offensive actions against Israel and against all of our interests. This has been Near East PolicyCast from the Washington Institute. For more research and analysis on the Middle East, find us online at WashingtonInstitute.org. Follow us on Twitter at Wash Institute and subscribe to us on YouTube at Washington Institute for events and video explainers. Thank you.